says they desire the sincere milk of the word. In other words, that which produces nutrients. That which will produce what? Growth and maturity in them. And so that is one of the key things that we want to make sure that when we are discipling somebody, that we're giving them the nutrients that they need in the order that they need it so that they can grow and mature. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of General Order 4. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about having an intentional plan for discipleship. Hello, and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. Uh, we're excited to have you joining with us today on this conversation. We're going to be talking about uh, the importance of having an intentional plan of discipleship. And uh, I am joined, as always, by Pastor Brian Stewart. Good to be with you today. And we are uh, we're excited about this topic. It's something that's really important uh, to us and really to the Lord as he talks about it quite a bit in Scripture about having a plan as to how you're going to bring someone from uh, where they are to where they need to be. And uh, a lot of us have resigned that to the pulpit ministry, um, but I don't believe that's exactly what the Bible teaches. So uh, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to take out your Bible. I want you to go um, with us to the book of Isaiah. Uh, if you do not have your Bible with you or you're driving your car or whatever it is, that you're doing this fine, uh, but we're going to read them out loud so you can follow along. Shouldn't have any issues doing that. Uh, so we are again are going to go to Isaiah, and we're going to go to Isaiah chapter number 28. And uh, many of you may know where we're going with this, uh, but I think it's important that we that we look at how God Himself talked about how He taught people. Um, so. We'll read uh, beginning in verse number nine. It says, Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little and there a little. And he's talking here clearly about um, how how are you going to get someone to where they are no longer a babe in Christ? He talks about being weaned from the milk. Um, how do you get somebody who who is able to understand doctrine, who is able to be taught knowledge. Uh, he says, whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And he's saying, I can't do that with people who are still babes. So how do you get somebody uh, who is a brand new babe in Christ, which is, is the beginning of that discipleship process, and you bring them from being a babe in Christ into a, a, a mature uh, spiritual person? Well, that has to be done in a very specific way. And the Lord says in verse number 10 that he's been teaching for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And just thinking about an illustration that we made several episodes back, I don't remember exactly what episode, but we talked about how uh, the that the things that you learn essentially are, are like a building in a way, and you build one thing upon another. And these precepts... Um, Precept it basically just means a, a biblical truth or a law or a statute that God has made. Um, and those things build on one another. I'm thinking right now, Pastor Stewart, I'm thinking about um, how Christ said in the New Testament. I'm trying to remember exactly where the passage is. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he says how uh, he gives us the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he says yes. that all the rest of the law and the prophets hang on those two things. Yes. In other words, those are like the foundational building blocks of everything else. Um, and so th that same illustration is brought here, precept upon precept. Certain things build on top of other things. Yes, this building process of, of these precepts or these commands that God has given us, 
needs to be identified and for this each individual, uh, for every individual. And he says it's you're going to do it. He repeats himself here. And it's not because he needs to fill space in his book. Uh, he's repeating himself because he wants us to understand this is a very intentional. Each precept is kind of like a different brick, mm-hmm. as a, a bricklayer would be building that building. Right. And you're going to lay the. You're going to obviously put the the first course down on top of the foundation, and you're not going to lay the third course until you have the first and second course in its proper place and properly leveled and and taken care of. And so he's saying here, when it comes to the spiritual growth and maturity of an individual, there are certain commands that need to be instructed to us early on in our walk with the Lord. And then as we continue to grow, we can build on those commands and continue to share other commands. And that word line is representative of a uh, a standard, a like almost like a tape measure mm-hmm. or a cord that was used to, for measurement, and that line is where uh, he's going to say, "Hey, it's going to be line upon line. The first course is laid with a line. The second course is laid with a line. The third course is laid with a line. If we get away from that line, then we're going to get away from something that is going to be plumb and something that's going to be straight." Right. Yeah, and. And I think what's interesting, too, is later on in the same passage in Isaiah 28, in verse 13, he brings up the exact same verbiage. So he's repeating himself in verse number 10, um, and then he goes ahead and repeats himself again in verse number 13, but he's making a different point. It says, but the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, line upon line. And he's saying, this is the result, but the Lord, word of the Lord was unto them. So they've been taught precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And then it says something interesting. It says that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Uh, What's happened in this passage in Isaiah 28 is that these people were taught the truth and rejected that truth. And they were taught the truth properly and still rejected that truth. And therefore, like Christ says in the New Testament, that he is a stumbling block unto them that believe not. And um, so the same thing is true in this Old Testament passage. He's, the, the Lord uh, is saying through the prophet that, hey, look, you've been taught truth. Uh, you're not following through that truth. And so the truth has become a snare for you um, because they were taught it the proper way. But the point that we're trying to make today is that there is a proper way to be taught. And that now people are going to have to choose whether or not they're going to accept the truth that they're being taught for themselves. Uh, because, you know, the Lord, uh, he's not a respecter of persons. Everybody has free choice. Everybody gets to make the decision whether or not they're going to follow through on the things they're taught. But there is a proper way for things to be taught to them, line upon line, precept upon precept, in a, in a building sort of way. Um, you know, I, I think for illustrative purposes, if I tried to take my three-year-old right now and began trying to teach her trigonometry, um, she's going to have a great deal of difficulty having any idea what I'm talking about because she doesn't even know what the symbols I'd be drawing on the paper even mean. She can't even read or do. And she sure. can do some very basic math type stuff now, but um, you know she's not going to understand trigonometry because she hasn't been taught addition, division, subtraction, 
multiplication. Those are the, the most basic things. You yeah. can't you can't do any mathematics until you've learned how those four things operate. So you know uh, you have to build things one on top of another. You start with first grade math and second grade math and third grade math, and those things have to build or it doesn't work. My mind goes to my instruction at, when I was being trained as a minister. And one of the things they trained us in was that they taught us that we were to teach people primarily by expository methods. Mm-hmm. We were then to, we were able to use textual methods, which is where we take a text and then we kind of compare scripture with scripture, and that was an acceptable way to instruct. But then another way that they would talk about was topical, and they said, you know, that's good on holidays and other things, but you don't want to be a steady diet of topical messages. Uh, and, and understanding that, and I don't disagree with those uh, conclusions, but ultimately that is talking about a pulpit ministry where mm-hmm. a minister is ministering to the church as body as a whole. Right. Uh, but what we're talking about in discipleship is – a personal ministry where we are really not only saying that every individual counts, mm-hmm. but that we are proving by our behavior and our actions and our and our living out the the truth and and the teaching of it on a one-on-one basis. And so, really, we can't just do an expository and rely upon that pulpit ministry to be able to do the work of discipleship because we could be doing, like our church right now is going through the book of Ephesians. And if somebody was to get saved this week and then come to church on Sunday, they'd be jumping in on chapter four. Well, it would be nice to understand chapter one, two, three, and then four, because it's going to build on itself uh, and build on those principles and and the word of God. But uh, so that if we rely on that alone, what we're really doing is if we compare that to the the uh, secular world, uh, which isn't necessarily all, necessarily a wrong thing, but uh, in the secular understanding of math and sciences and English and grammar and literature and all of those things, uh, we don't send a, a five-year-old and put them in eighth grade because their older siblings are in eighth grade, and then we just mm-hmm. let them cycle through and then go back to kindergarten. There is a intentional precept or command or instruction on, you know, hey, you got to understand the alphabet before you can start putting right. words together and start reading and all of those things. And so why would we think that if in the secular or in the carnal – we would have an intentional plan, but we don't need an intentional plan for every individual. Uh, now, not every individual is, I mean, this plan works for all individuals, but it what it does is it values the individual uh, believer and helps them to understand what God wants for them. And so it helps them to move through the levels of growth, the spiritual levels of growth that God identifies in his word. And what do you do with somebody who is in the eighth grade, but they're not performing at an eighth grade level? You take them back a grade or remedial. you you personally have a tutor or something to help them get to where they ought to be. And, and then again, a lot of times that ends up being one-on-one instruction because that tends to be the best way to get things across to people. So um, it, it always comes back to you have to go to where the person is, not to where the person you feel like should be. 
um, line upon line, find, but you have to find out where they are. Um, you have to find out, you know, what, what place they are in spiritually before you can do that. And you can't do that from the pulpit. That, that is critical because if you have somebody that comes into the church and they've been in church a while, just because we sit in the pew doesn't make us mature. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like sitting in a garage or sleeping in a garage doesn't make you a vehicle. Uh, right. We, we mature when we understand the precept as it's taught upon precept and as these lines are put upon lines. And he says another passage in that Isaiah passage, he says, here a little and there a little. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we try and overfeed people the Word of God, and if they can't handle it, that's especially when they're a babe, they need just a little bit. Uh, one of the things with raising six children and now a couple of grandchildren, I've, I've paid attention enough to recognize you don't feed them two big meals a day. They eat every couple hours, especially yeah. early on, until they can get to the point where they can handle waiting like everybody else three or four hours between meals. Right. And if I sound tired, it's because I have a baby that's doing that right now in the <laughs> middle of the night. So, but that's a, it's a really, very real thing. And the, yes. the young Christians are going to text and they're going to call and they're going to have all these questions. They're going to have read something in the scripture that confuses them. And who do they have to call but the person who's discipling them? And that's good. Um, and they'll need a lot more attention. And then as they mature, as they get older, they're going to need less and less and less attention. And then you as the disciple are going to feel a lot like a parent, like, they don't call me anymore. What's wrong? And um, But that's so, that's natural, and that's what's supposed to happen. So just like we're going to see a child raised from being an infant and a, then a toddler, then a child, and then a young adult, and then ultimately uh, being a parent themselves and and being able to uh, reproduce and, and be able to train and, and raise up the next generation. Spiritually speaking, God compares us uh, to that in the scriptures in many different places, talking about, hey, we're a babe in Christ, and a babe mm-hmm. does what desires the sincere milk of the word. And then he talks about us being a, a child. And uh, my little children, he makes those comments multiple times throughout the, the New Testament. And then he refers to us as young adults and the young adult is is learning and, and is maturing and is participating in a lot of things, but they're not quite ready to be the parent yet. And then when God allows us to mature to the level of parenthood, we are bearing fruit for him and we are mm-hmm. seeing him do a whole lot of things that are uh, just uh, amazing to see that God would let us uh, be able to raise our own uh, families uh, as we uh, do physically, but then also spiritually, he gives us people to minister to and and see grow up in in the nurture and admonition of his word. Yeah, and and I think it's important that we recognize too that that God is not a respecter of persons. He does not judge based on somebody's skills because God's the one that gave them those skills and those mental fa- mental faculties, and He is going to require of them based on what He gave them. Um, and we find that taught all throughout scripture that, you know, you're not responsible for something that you were not given, but you are responsible for what you were given. Um, and and in, in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses four through six, I won't read them right now, but it talks about how each, each person, we're all in a body, right? In the body, that being the church, and we're all members of that body, but each of those members has a different skill set and they have a different way of operating. 
and every person learns differently and at different paces at different speeds every person you know you may have somebody that is sharp as attack that really has a heart for god that develops incredibly fast and then you have somebody else that you're discipling that it seems like you are having to steamroll them in order to get them to go anywhere, but you can't do that. You have to move at the pace that that they're supposed to move at, that their mind operates at. And um, you know, I've, I've got two kids, and I've got I've got my my older child Eden is is extremely intelligent, and she always has been. She's super sharp, very active. And um, when my son was born. He we thought my wife and I had a conversation. We're like, is, is something wrong with this boy? And we were like, you know, he, he doesn't pick up things. He doesn't do things at the same ages that she did things. And then we got him around a bunch of other kids his age and found out he's totally normal. And he learns at a normal pace. She was just exceptional at an early age. And so, you know, I, we can't teach her the way we teach him. I mean, she right now is doing kindergarten at three. Um, my Knox is not going to be that way. And that's okay because everybody's designed differently and they're, they're built differently and they do things differently. And, and that's, that's the way God designed it. So you can't be a respecter of persons and judge one person against another person. And so one way for us to do that is to have this intentional plan, because now we have laid out a, a really a, a guide for not only me, but for anybody else that comes behind me or alongside me and then comes on in the next generations where we have this uh, intentionality. One, it, I, maybe some of you are out there going, well, you've talked about this plan. You keep talking about a plan. Uh, let me share with you just briefly what some broad sweeping uh, principles that we use here at Calvary to uh, make sure that we're covering the first principles first. And, uh, and, and just like uh, God in his word tells us that, hey, there is a time when you should be teachers, but what we have to go back to the first oracles, mm-hmm. the first principles. And so what are those first right. principles? Well, the first thing that uh, here at Calvary that we want to do is we want to see that new believer established in their fellowship with God. And so we're going to spend about six lessons, and those lessons may take, each one of them may take two, three, four meetings to get through the, the precepts and the and the teachings that God has in his word in relationship to, you know, what is their relationship with him? How do they fellowship with him? How is he going to talk to them? How are they going to talk to, uh, to, to God? And we're going to cover in these first six lessons, the first thing we want to do is make sure that they're established in their fellowship with God, because uh, that's going to be the key to their growth in every aspect. Just like when a, a parent brings a child home, especially a father, uh, how does that father connect with that brand new babe or that brand new infant? Well, I don't know how about other fathers, but in the case of my six children, when I would get them home, I would hold them mm-hmm. and I would talk to them and they would listen to my voice and I would say things like, hey, this is daddy. And I'd call their name. So they got used to me calling their name and I would tell them, hey, this is daddy. And then we'd have really deep conversations like daddy loves you. Daddy cares for you. Daddy's going to watch over you. Uh, boy, we're going to have some fun and, 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 you know, throwing the ball or whatever with my daughters. We're going to have fun doing different things. 
but I would just talk to them so that what so that they got used to my feel, my touch, my voice, and all of mm-hmm. those things. So what I view us as disciplers, when we have the privilege of discipling a brand new babe in Christ, what what is our job? It's to see them established in their fellowship with their father. And so what our job is to say, hey, here's what his voice sounds like. Here's what your relationship is with him. This is what he's going to do for you. This is how mm-hmm. you can trust him. Daddy loves you. Daddy cares for you. Daddy's going to watch over you. You're secure in your relationship with him. Yeah. And this is how he's going to communicate with you. And then once that uh, uh, part of the relationship is established, then we want to move on to, hey, I want to establish this new believer and this disciple of Christ. I want to establish them in their fellowship with their uh, other believers. And that's going to happen. What? That's their brothers and sisters. And so just like a baby, as they grow a little older and their older siblings can interact with them, that's mm-hmm. not the most important thing right out of the gate. But we want to see them established in that relationship with other believers. And so we're going to uh, cover three or four lessons in that area that is going to help them to be established in their relationship with other believers. And then now it's important that we see them in, established in their in the structure of the local church. What what are the things that God wants them to do and, and how does he want them to behave and what is the importance of the local church in their life? And so we're going to teach them how to deal with sin because I can't be involved in the local church if I'm still not seeing the victory that Christ attained for me at Calvary. I want to understand my liberty in Christ, but I don't want to understand my liberty in Christ if I'm going to be living uh, and for an occasion for the flesh. And so I've, mm-hmm. I've got to be able to deal with that sin first. And so we're going right. to teach them those things. And then uh, we want to, as we kind of wrap up that first level of discipleship, that's going to be one-on-one, and we're probably seven, eight, nine, ten months into uh, this person's walk with the Lord, we want to see them established, beginning to be established in ministry. And again, if you can refer to uh, our uh, podcast on the difference between service and ministry, it'll help you to understand what we're talking about here. But we want to see them see their job as their opportunity for ministering the gospel to people and witnessing. We want mm-hmm. to see the entire lost world as a, a area where they're going to minister the word of God to people's hearts. And that they're going to have to face a judgment for how they minister and what right. they do for the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. And then the whole second level of discipleship is spent on really just helping them to even more understand that battle between the old man and the new man. We want to see that victory that Christ has won for them. We want to see them living in that victory. And then we want to see them be equipped to handle the Word of God. And so this intentional plan is to see these relationships and these this fellowship, and it all centers around the local church which God has ordained and the only institution on earth that God has ordained to accomplish these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the point of all of that is that we wanted to illustrate how having an intentional plan brings somebody from the beginning, from being that babe who is still needing the milk and then giving them a precept 
And as they have learned and adopted that precept into their life, you then give them another precept, line upon line. And they, they're growing, they're maturing, they're going from being a babe to a child, from being a child to a young adult, from being a young adult to, an, to a full-grown adult, and now they're reproducing. And that doesn't happen overnight. That takes time. That takes intentionality. I mean, I'm, I think when, I, when we – I've got three kids now, and if my wife is not with me, and she says, hey, honey, I want you to take the kids to the park. And she's not with me. She's usually the brains of the outfit. So now I'm going to have to intentionally stop and think, okay, I'm going to the park. What do I need to go to the park? I've got two kids in diapers. So I'm going to need diapers. I'm going to need wipes. I'm going to need uh, to make sure I go somewhere that has a trash can. Um and I've got, you know, two walking, one not walking. So I'm going to need to grab the stroller. And there's things that I'm going to have to intentionally have to think through if we are going to make it to the park. Um, and if I don't do that, guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to get all the way to the park, realize I don't have something. We can't stay. So now i got to turn around and go all the way back And it because I didn't plan intentionally. And if you leap into discipling somebody and you begin to teach them things, but you haven't been intentional about laying out the order in which you want to teach them things, you might run yourself into trouble because, you're, again, you're going to start teaching them things about the liberty they have in Jesus Christ uh, before you've taught them how to deal with their sin problem. And so the liberty that they have in Jesus Christ to them is now going to free them up to commit those sins instead of the opposite in which the liberty we have in Jesus Christ is the liberty to serve and and, 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 and fulfill what God has for our life, not what we want for our life. Um, so, but they can't learn those things out of order. And if we're not intentional, some of those things, you know, we may not mean to do, we may not Try. We're not trying to do them harm, but we didn't plan out properly the intentionality of why we wanted to do what we wanted to do and what order we wanted to do it. And um, you know, I don't. I don't think it has to be an incredibly stressful thing. The Bible says that His Word doesn't return void, so you know it doesn't have to be something where you're, you worry. Oh no, if I teach them this and they're not ready for it, are they going to completely fall apart? And I don't think you need to worry about that. But what we do need to make sure we're doing is being very prayerful about what order we feel like the Lord wants us to give them things. Uh, Make sure that we're in touch with that person so we know where they are spiritually before we begin giving them certain truths. Um, Because, again, I'm not going to give my four-month-old a steak and a knife and a fork and say, hey, go at it, uh, because she can't handle that right now. Sure. If we look at Paul, and obviously Paul was taught by Jesus, and so what a wonderful example the Lord has given us in the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul, he, he makes it clear that there is a, a plan, there is a intentionality that he's going to teach first things first. And we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, he, he's telling the Corinthians, and again, he's correcting a whole lot of problems there. So I, I think, that at least in my experience in the ministry, I've seen a lot of problems in the church. We haven't been very powerful. We haven't been very intentional. Uh, we've done a lot mm-hmm. of things, and we've done been very busy for the Lord, but I don't know how much maturity has actually been accomplished. And so that is a major concern of mine and has been for many years now, and that's why this is passionate to me. But notice what he says, which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, In other words, this is not something that you're going to get from man's wisdom. This is something that's going to clearly come from another source. 
but he, and he identifies that source, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. In other words, mm-hmm. you and I, the when we are going to disciple somebody, they're not our disciple. They're Christ's disciple. So they need to be discipled as he would do it, in the order that he desires for it mm-hmm. to be done, in the order that he laid out. And we see in, in, the, in the New Testament very uh, intentional plans of, and he, he references it on many occasions, the fact that these are the first things. These we need to go back to the beginning because you weren't, you didn't get it the first time. And so, how do we do these things? It's by comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And he gives us this very potent and very, I think, very helpful understanding. He says, "But the natural man—that's a lost man. That's you and my and our intellect. The natural man, our old man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God." For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, we can't teach the scriptures like anything else. We need to teach it as God intended it to be taught. And that is with the leadership of the Holy Spirit, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, with the word of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who is the author of all scripture. And as the author... He is the one who can lead us into all truth, according to what Jesus tells us in John, in the book of John. And so Jesus tells his disciples, hey, you need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And so establishing this new believer in their fellowship with God is paramount. They cannot grow otherwise. And this is not mm-hmm. an intellectual study. This is not an academic study. Uh, again, I take you back to how, what does the babe desire? It's not the intellectual knowledge of the Word of God. It's not the academic knowledge. It's not the trivial knowledge of the Word of God. He clearly says they desire the sincere milk of the Word. In other words, that which produces nutrients. That which Mm -hmm. will produce what? Growth and maturity in them. And so that is one of the key things that we want to make sure that when we are discipling somebody, that we're giving them the nutrients that they need in the order that they need it so that they can grow and mature. And so that's where he says that precept upon precept. It's what what commands need to come first. The And what demands does he put in this person's life? Not what demands do I put. Not what demands did the pastor put. But what demands does God put? What commands does he give them? And they need mm-hmm. to understand those in a very systematic and intentional way. Yeah, and I kind of wanted to just close on this uh, passage in Acts 10 uh, to be to, just to be an encouragement to people who've been listening to this and they're thinking to themselves, I don't know how to do that, and I don't know how to be, you know, I don't know how to plan all this stuff out. Um, but Peter, you know, the apostle, the great apostle Peter, you know, we think of all of these amazing things that he did in the book of Acts. But in, in Acts chapter number 10, he has a confrontation with a man by the name of Cornelius and God puts them together. And he's explaining to Peter how, you know, the gospel has worked in his life. And it says in Peter in verse number 34, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive, or I'm finally understanding, that God is no respecter of persons. Now he's talking to Gentiles and there's a couple of Jews with him. But he's saying, I'm finally understanding something that the gospel is not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles, which is funny considering Jesus told him that multiple times. 
But here's Peter finally saying, I perceive God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now, we're not going to be working righteousness in the flesh. We're going to be working righteousness in the spirit, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it says, the, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And if we skip down to verse number 42 and verse 43, he's just gotten done basically giving the gospel again. And in verse 42, it says, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. It's not our job to be the judge. It's his job to be the judge. Verse 43, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. So he's given the gospel. And verse number 45, this, this, is, this is the incredible part. In verse number 45, it says, and they of the circumcision, or the Jewish people, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that the Gentiles, that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So what what has happened here is Peter has given the gospel to the Gentiles really for the first time coming from Peter. And Gentiles accept Jesus Christ as a personal savior. The question is, who has the biblical background and understanding in the Old Testament? Those of the circumcision or the Jewish people or the Gentiles? And the obvious answer is, of course, the Jewish people have all the background knowledge of uh, of the scripture, but the Gentiles still were able to receive the truth, accept the truth and grow and receive the Holy Ghost. That being said, Jews who get saved and Gentiles who get saved of those two groups of people, which group of people is setting on a bigger foundation and is likely to grow faster? I would say the Jewish people are. Because they had an understanding of the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul knew the Old Testament extremely well. And when he got saved, he grew extremely quickly. Because those pieces that he had were finally fit in the right order. The precepts were finally lodged in the correct places. But those Gentile people with absolutely zero background, people like me, I'm a Gentile, that received the gospel, that had absolutely no foundation whatsoever... They're going to take a little bit longer to grow, but Peter makes a point to say, look, God's no respecter of persons. All these people still need the gospel. All these people still need to be taught and trained and discipled. Nobody expects a Gentile who just got saved to act just like those Jews who just got saved because those Jews had more truth already built into their background. So by way of encouragement, I just wanted to say that, you know, you may not feel like you got this whole discipleship thing down. I don't think any of us do. Amen. Uh, but the fact that we we have a set of truths and principles that it doesn't matter whether you're Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whether you have Christian background, whether you've been in church your whole life, it doesn't matter. There are a set of truths that every single believer needs to know and every single believer needs to be taught. And that is the place that I would start. Uh, we have lots of things, Pastor Stewart and I, that we go through that we want to teach people and disciple people on. If you have any questions about that, please, please, please reach out to us, um, and we'd be happy to talk to you about it. Uh, you can reach us at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R, generalorder4 at gmail.com. Um, or you can reach out to us through Twitter at generalorder, the number four. So generalorder4, but the number and uh, But we would love to correspond with you about um, what we do and talk to you about that. Um, we're not going to try and force any curriculum on anybody. Uh, but if you have any questions, comments, you have anything that you'd like to talk to us about, please, please do reach out. We'd love to talk to you about it. Amen. So 
again, um, it's, it's extremely important that you have a foundation laid, that you have an intentional plan for how you're going to disciple people. Um, that's the point that we try to get across. I hope we got that across to you clearly. Uh, but that's all we have for today's episode. And uh, please stay tuned. Next week, we'll have some more content coming out for you in the near future. Thanks so much for joining us. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of General Order 4. On the next episode, we're going to be continuing our discussion about discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter at General Order, the number four. Please like, share, and subscribe.